can't pay the IRS, haven't filed in a while, receiving threatening letters? Yeah, it's about to get worse. The IRS is hiring an army of agents targeting hardworking Americans like you. You need warriors on your side. You need Tax Network USA. Tax Network USA has brilliant strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. For instance, they've discovered a limited-time special offer that the IRS is willing to waive $1 billion in penalties. Find out if you qualify before it's too late. Never call the IRS alone. Let Tax Network USA attorneys handle it. They have preferred direct lines to the IRS. They know which agents to work with and which to avoid. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debts and offer a best-in-class guarantee. Schedule your free consultation now. Call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit TNUSA.com slash Victor. TNUSA.com slash Victor. Hello, gentlemen. This is the Victor Davis Hanson Show. I'm Jack Fowler, the host. Our star and namesake, Victor Davis Hanson, is the Martin and Neely Andersons, uh, a senior fellow. Sorry about that. I should know that by now. Martin and Neely Anderson, senior fellow at the Hoover Institution and the Wayne and Marsha Buskey Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. Victor has an official website, The Blade of Perseus. Its address is victorhanson.com. We'll talk about a little bit about that later on in today's podcast. We are recording on Saturday the 3rd, and uh, we, we mention the date because it matters, given the subject matter, which is most preeminent at this hour, and that happens to be the uh, Biden administration launching uh, counterattacks, we'll call them, in Iraq uh, to, to uh, revenge the death of three Americans killed because of ramifications of his genius foreign policy but we'll get victor's thoughts on the this military response and then we have uh, justice sotomayor the beginning of, of progressive efforts to pressure her out of the supreme court and another topic or two uh, to uh, discuss today and we'll get to all that right after these important messages <laughs> At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events. And you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. 
We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show. So, Victor, today is uh, Saturday, and yesterday, Friday the 2nd, uh, there were numerous uh, bombings uh, in various places. Uh, some Iranian um, uh, stooges, I think 34 yesterday, were killed, according to an article in the Daily Mail. More attacks are taking place right now. Okay, things are happening, but... Is uh, is this troubling to you? Is there some flaw in this response? What are your thoughts? Well, I want to thank you, Jack, first of all, for introducing me as a senior fellow, which I am, but I never felt such until I turned 70. And now I'm not only a senior fellow at Hoover, but I'm in a more important brotherhood of senior fellows. Uh, Did I miss a birthday? (laughs) Yes, you did. (laughs) September 5th, 1953. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I never thought that. I God, I, I used to be, I look at the millennium, I said, oh my God, I'll never be 47 in 2000. I'm just not going to, I'm going to be exempt. That was 24 years ago. Okay. Um, you know, that the, the great Roman uh, military analyst, Vegetus, said, if you want peace, prepare for war. We some. Pacum bellum prepare. If you want war, then continually, to, the inverse is true. If you want war, continually prepare for peace. And that's what we've been doing. So we have been under a colossal, there's two ver- versions of wh- how we got into this, three versions, excuse me, everybody. There's three versions how we got into this mess. Number one, in a Pavlovian and they're not mutually exclusive, a Pavlovian response. Joe Biden came in. Jake Sullivan would later say the Middle East was calm. And he said to himself, I'm going to overturn every single thing in foreign policy that that SOB Trump has his fingerprints. And now we know that it wasn't an SOB, Jack, because we've been told he called him a effing asshole as well. So he despised Trump. So he said, oh, Got out of the Iran deal, get back in. Did Trump uh, get uh, raise sanctions and cost him $90 billion? Lift them. Did he call the Houthis terror? Lift it. Did he cut off Hamas? Give it back. Did he uh, have this Abrams go Junk the Abrams. And that's what he did. And he took a mild, calm region and turned it into a hellhole. Then number two... He may have been doing all of this crazy things in addition, because as I said before, he has a crazy idea that he inherited from Barack Obama, that if you empowered the Shia Persian Crescent from Tehran to Beirut to Gaza, then you would have creative tension against the Gulf monarchies, Jordan, Egypt, Israel. And we would step in and not have to be the policeman, but we would adjudicate, playing them off as neutrals. In other words, we had just as much in common with a theocracy in Iran as we did with the constitutional government in Israel. If you doubt me, ask yourself when they had the Green Movement 11 days into the Obama administration in 2009. He didn't say a word as if all these poor Iranians on the street risking their lives were neocons, and he was against that. Or three, Jack, he just said to himself, I'm in an election year. And I'm 80 years old, and I don't want a screw-up. So whatever it takes to buy people off. Iran, give them the $90 billion. 
I don't like them, but if they have hostages, give them a billion point two for each hostage. Hamas, just give them some be nice money. Just give them 700 million bucks. And so he did that, and they interpreted that magnanimity as weakness to be exploited, not to be reciprocated in kind. So here we have this thing, Jack, where by not retaliating immediately in a measured response and not reinstituting economic sanctions on oil and travel bans and sanctions against military and uh, economic leaders in Iran, we have to, the longer you don't do that, the more you will have to accelerate and expand your response uh, the longer that it's delayed. It's like mowing the lawn. If you don't mow the lawn when the grass is an inch high, then try it when it's five inches high and you almost kill yourself trying to do it. And that's where we are right now. So now they're going to have to have a sustained attack. And if they don't, people all around the world are going to say, well, that was just nothing. It was nothing. They're not, they're not, they didn't do anything. All you did was throw a bunch of bombs. And the world is watching, Jack, for another reason. There is an impression, fair or not, that the United States either does not have or will not use its accustomed power to help its friends and punishes its enemies. Maybe it's we've given too many of our stockpiled weapons to Ukraine or Israel. We're not producing them. Maybe it's the 30 to 50,000 short recruits. Maybe it's the notorious DEI promotions and retention policies that have not rewarded merit. Maybe it's the weaponization of the four-star class that seem to can't keep their mouth shut and they have to weigh in, retired and current, on every political issue, whether it's McChrystal or McCaffrey or, you know, Michael Hayden, whoever it is, James Clapper, they just can't be quiet. Whatever it is, of all these reasons, there is an impression that we will not deter our enemies. And this is a chance for, to everybody, for everybody to be seen, to see that we can deter. And so that's important as well. We'll see. It has to be sustained. It has to destroy their capability. And I don't think you can do that unless you address, you don't have to go into Iran, but you have to sanction it. You have to just, why do we allow any Iranians that are not refugees and hate that regime to come to this country. We should go through every single university and anybody who is an Iranian national without due citizenship and is not checked out by the CIA, FBI, whatever, should be sent back home immediately. And we've got to do that. Otherwise, you're going to risk a wider war. And we don't want that. So if you do it incrementally and steadily and serially, then you don't have to all of a sudden say, oh, my God. Look what's happened. We've got to go bomb the, you know, the Tehran or something. So we'll right. see how long it's it's going to be sustained. That Iranian ship that everybody references, Jack, that seems to what mysteriously like a ghost float around the Red Sea, full of antennae, and it's it's bringing in missiles. Supposedly, it's it's surveilling our forces. On day one, it should have been blown out of the water. If you want to be nice about it, we could have just taken a bullhorn and said pulled up alongside it and said, in five minutes, we have a cruise missile that's coming right into your outtake pipe, and it's going to blow it up. So we suggest you all get off immediately. That would be very easy to do, and that would send a message.
we were also still sending them cash. I mean, not only are there not sanctions, but uh, I saw something on Fox yeah, earlier today that yeah, applied. Yeah, this uh, and you, you know, the English at least weren't sending Germany cash in the late thirties. Uh, they were though. <laughs> oh, in, oops, in Welf, in, sorry in, about that. <laughs> they were sending them arms as well. They were sending uh, them uh, airplane engines and everything, domestic, I mean, civilian, but they were still helping. And so were we, by the way. We were doing it after 1939, uh, pharmaceuticals and uh, oil technology and drilling and stuff. But my point is that we could stop it right away and that would make a profound impression. And then the move would be on their part. And if they didn't see this was a retaliation rather than a preemption, and they didn't see that they had warned at this strike, and they felt they needed to escalate in retaliation, and that would mean only one thing, that would be a terrorist incursion into the United States or against our airliners or in embassies, then we could be justified in doing something that would cause them real damage but wouldn't hurt the Iranian people. And that would be taking out their military, their military bases, their ports, et cetera, if they retaliate. But let's hope it doesn't come to that. But we have to do something. The other thing that's really important is we have to stop and take a deep breath and ask ourselves why we have 25, 30 of these places all over Jordan and Syria, parts of or mostly in Iraq and as well um, in the Middle East in general. And these smaller places that are in southern Syria and Iraq and, and northern Jordan, they apparently are there to prevent the resurgence of ISIS, which is it proposes a really bizarre, surreal paradox. ISIS is the sworn enemy of Shia theocratic Iran, Persian Iran, and they just staged a big terrorist attack on the anniversary of Soleimani's death, then there was a funeral observation, and then they killed a bunch of Iranian. And reportedly, Jack, we warned the Iranians to get on their good side that ISIS was going to do that. I don't know if that's true or not. That made the, the news rounds. But my point is, think a minute. So we're putting Americans in very exposed places without sufficient defensive capability or without the ability to deter their enemies by offensive operations. And we're there ostensibly to stop a recrudence of radical Sunni jihadists from doing what they did earlier during the Obama administration, take over half of Iraq. But in the process of doing that, we were de facto allied with Shia Hezbollah and pro-Iranian militants that were fighting ISIS. And under the Obama administration, we were told that in the the hierarchy of evil, the seventh and eighth rungs of Dante's Inferno, that ISIS was worth, worse than Hezbollah, Shia, you know, all those uh, terrorist organizations. If that's true, so we're being attacked by the people who we used to ally with against the common enemy. And is the enemy of the enemy now our friend? That is the radical Sunni jihadist? I don't know the answer, but somebody's going to have to come up with a rationale to the American people why these places are so exposed without sufficient deterrent capability. And if you don't do that, then you're going to get these wonderful young Americans killed again. And it's just going back to Afghanistan, the 13 dead Marines. And, you know, another final thing, and this is kind of emotional. I apologize to the listeners. I'm getting so 
tired of Obama of Biden losing his temper and screaming. The other day, I don't know if you remember Jack, he got on the food markets and he said, They think we're suckers. We're suckers. Have you seen a Snickers? Nobody knew what he was talking about. Three days before that, he said, and you know what he did? He called him losers and suckers. Trump did. The dead in Normandy. And that, that was an insult to Bo, my son, who died. No, don't, exactly. Bo, Bo died in 2015 from a malignant geoblastoma brain tumor. He was out of uniform. It was tragic he died at 46. But it had nothing to do with Donald Trump's uh, supposed slur. And there were over 30 people in that room, including arch enemy of Donald Trump, John Bolton, that all said, with exception of one, that he didn't say that. But my point is this. When you watch those tapes, he gets so animated. Have you noticed that, Jack? He gets angry. He's, like, he's, deme he's demented. Yeah, he goes into a, a complete rage. And you know, I thought when I saw that, you don't act that way when you're referencing Putin in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. You don't scream like that when you're talking about Hamas. You don't lose your temper when you're referencing Iran. You're not mad like that against Obrador and what he's done. You don't even talk about the cartels with that passion. You're lizard-like. You're reptilian. You only come out of hibernation and come and animate when it's Donald Trump and the MAGA people. Then it's semi-fascist, semi-fascist, mega-extremist, ultra-mega. How dare you? Yeah, that, I just, it just, it's eerie. It's creepy. And yeah. uh, I hope to God the voters see that, that this guy is not only demented, but he is irrational and he's a mean SOB. He really is. And, 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 and again, Victor, it's not it's not a, a, a function of him being 80. No, it isn't. He was just on. The, we, we've beaten this horse to death before, but him exploiting the death of his first wife and exploiting the death of his son, lying about them. It's it's something that comes naturally. And then and how about when was, to him. the 2008, 2000, excuse me, going back to the 88 campaign, when he was exposed as a liar and a plagiarist, he started yelling at the reporter, I, I'll try me anything. I'll put my record against yours anywhere. And then in the 2028 primaries, 2019, remember he said to that kind of overweight, hey, fat, hey, fat, I'll do push up, that kind of stuff. I'll take yeah. Donald Trump behind the, uh, the gym and beat him up. And corn pop, I got it. I just measured a bunch of chain or. This guy made fun of my sister. I just took his head and I just smashed it on the lunch counter. I get so sick of that braggadocio, you know, when especially when it's matched by anemic reactions and does not deter right. our enemies. Our enemies are not afraid of us and our friends cannot count on us and our neutrals put their finger in the wind and say, where is the power in the world? And I have to align with it because the United States is no longer there for us. And this didn't have to happen. For all of you who are listening that are never Trumpers, or you hate Trump, or you may not vote for Trump because you feel he's crude, or he's the, the E. Jean Carroll sordid details of the stormy, whatever it is, this is an existential moment in our country's history. And you only you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be 51% better than the alternative. And the alternative is a nightmare of four more years of this. So you should take that very seriously when you consider what to do. Amen. Well, Victor, uh, 
you know, you, you and I know this because it's, it's, well, for me anyway, it's late at night when we're recording, um, which is an appropriate lead in uh, to a, a new uh, sponsorship here on the Victor Davis Hanson Show. So, folks, after a long day, no one wants to spend an hour in the kitchen making dinner. Well, how about quick and easy barbecue? No, not takeout. I'm talking juicy steaks, succulent chicken or fish, and healthy grilled veggies cooked on your own Solaire infrared gas grill. Solaire grills are the hot, fast grills that heat up to 1,000 degrees in just three minutes, even in the dead of winter. And that heat locks in juices and flavor and grills your food faster. A veteran-owned, multi-generational family business, each Solaire grill is made in the USA out of quality commercial-grade stainless steel. It'll be the last grill you'll ever need to buy. Visit besthotgrill.com for their free guide, How to Choose the Right Infrared Grill for Apartment Balconies to Backyard Entertainment Areas. That's besthotgrill.com. With a hot, fast, solar infrared gas grill, you'll want to grill every day. Get your free guide at besthotgrill.com. That's besthotgrill.com. And we thank Solaire Infrared Gas Grills for sponsoring the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Well, Victor, um, the other day, Justice Sotomayor uh, complained. Uh, she turned 70, uh, gets a pit in her stomach with all these conservative decisions. There's a lot more work, and she it has nothing to do with ideology, a lot more emergency rulings. Any big case now has many, many uh, amicus briefs filed. So she's, you know, whining, or maybe rightly so to some degree, about the burden of being a justice on the Supreme Court, and then ideologically about the outcome. So that prompted immediately an effort by progressives to urge her to retire. They're looking at the tea leaves thinking she doesn't, you know, if we she retires now, uh, we may have someone in for 30 years, but if she if she doesn't retire now, uh, Trump might be reelected, and and uh, they're those, they're looking at those tea leaves. So anyway, Victor, we have this effort of on the left to get Justice Sotomayor off the court. Your thoughts? Well, it, they are terrified because of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Remember when Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, had cancer? I guess on two occasions, she was in. She was the heartthrob of the left. She was really their poster girl on the on the court. There were mumblings about this. And then all of a sudden, you remember we heard these stories, Jack, that she lifted weights and she was in great shape and she worked out with athletes and she was in perfect health. And so during the Trump years, she did not step down and they really got burned, they think. But, I, I, I you know, I don't. Did you hear? I mean, Clarence Thomas, I think, is 75 and three years ago, he was 72, two years older than Sotomayor. I don't, I don't remember anybody. Did you, did you, no. Jack, saying no. during the Trump administration, oh, my God, Clarence Thomas is 70, 71, right. 72. I mean, he, he, you know, Scalia dropped dead at 80. And I didn't hear anybody saying he's got to get off. So I think the Republican attitude, the conservative, this is our guy and we're going to stick with him from hell or high water and the left is always so paranoid about the progressive agenda and they're always calculating and over calculating 
that they're a lot more ruthless. This is so counterfactual because they're always telling us that they're the humanists, but they're the heartless people. They're just telling a woman of color. Remember, we were told in her UC Berkeley Law School speech that she was a wise Latina. I think she said Latino 45 times in that speech. That And she was better equipped, remember, to, to rule than a white male was on the court. Yeah. And so she had her her DEI fides cemented, and yet now they turn on her in a second. And they've only got a year to go. I don't think she's going to drop dead in a year. The other thing is she must not be well because, she's, as I said, she's five years younger than Clarence Thomas. He's been on the court a lot longer. If she thinks that workload is is terrible, she should go back to the Clarence Thomas hearings that you and I have talked about when Joe Biden demagogued him mercilessly. And that was in 91, 92. So we're talking 30, 35 years, almost 33 years. He's been on that cald- in that cauldron for 33 years. He's five years right. older. And I will guarantee you that the amount of abuse that Clarence Thomas has suffered is a magnitude greater than what the right has said about Sotomayor. And yet I've never heard him say anything of you. He's never, does he ever say that he's wiped out, he's tired, he can't do this? And no, he seems to be a happy guy traveling around the country in the, in the summer in his uh, Winnebago. Uh, yeah. No yeah, I, I, so I, I don't know what to make of it, or the, the left is pretty calculating. And uh, they look at the court as their court because they feel that eventually, quickly, eventually, abruptly, or immediately, or sooner or later, the people catch on if they don't have a crisis to waste. If it's not, you know, 2008 meltdown, or it's not COVID, or it's not George Floyd, and they can't, you know, push through an agenda, normally nobody wants their, their what they have to offer. So they either have to import a constituency, a new demographic, or they've got to control all the institutions of communication and information. You know, we've said that, media, social media, K through 12 academia, foundations, et cetera, or they have to they have to have a permanent lock as they'd had at one point for over a half, well, for a hundred years on the Supreme Court. And when they lose the court and they've lost it now, I think they have, but you never know quite where all of the, the moderates Republicans are going to weigh in on any issue, but they've lost that deadlock they had on it. They want to get it back and in cost. So now they, you know, they talk about packing the court or removing justices that are too old to make sure they get a radical in there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Final thought, she has not been a stellar judge. She was a DEI uh, appointment. When you looked at all of the other justices, uh, that were available and would have been far more effective uh, jurors for the liberal project, they they didn't choose them. And maybe they thought she would be iconic to the Hispanic community, but I don't right. think that people in Selma, California, the, the vast majority are Mexican-American, breathe easier tonight because of Sotomayor's on the bench. I just, I've never heard one person mention that. Right, yeah. right. So just... She's a Bronx girl. We'll, we'll hold that against her, Victor. Hey, uh, speaking of um, women on the left, 
Representative Ayanna Presley from up in Massachusetts is raging uh, over closed stores and, of course, making racist charges. And we'll get to that. Your thoughts on that, Victor, right after these important messages. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Hey, Victor, before I get to that uh, topic, I do do want to uh, remind our listeners and Hello to welcome our new listeners. Let them know, especially that your your website, the Blade of Perseus, can be found at victorhanson.com. And anyone that goes there, and everyone should go there, will find links to the weekly pieces, the essays you write for American Greatness, your syndicated columns, uh, links to your other appearances on other podcasts and shows, archives of, of um, this podcast, Links to your books, including The End of Everything, How Wars Descend into Annihilation. That's uh, coming out in May. And then the three or so, roughly uh, every week, average of two or three, I should say, pieces you write exclusively for the for, uh, the Blade of Perseus. They're ultra articles. They can only be read. I wish I could talk. They can only be read. <laughs> if you subscribe, and folks, it's really it's really cheap, and it, it's five bucks a month, fifty dollars discounted for the full year. If you're a fan of Victor and Victor's writing, you've got to subscribe. So go to the Blade of Perseus, VictorHanson.com is the website, web address, and sign up. So Victor, um, the, um, the very colorful Ayana Presley, and maybe people recognize her. She's one of the squad members. She's a black woman who shaves her head, so she kind of stands out. Uh, she represents uh, Boston area in Congress. And uh, Walgreens, the, uh, uh, the pharmacy, it's, you know, another product store, has shut down another store in her uh, in the uh, Roxbury neighborhood. It's a predominantly minority community. But um, this, these stores have been just robbed blind over the last a couple of years, looters have, as you know, and we've talked about looters have not been prosecuted. She took to the House floor to attack Walgreens for engaging in racism by closing down these stores. I don't know, Victor, are they supposed to just stay open and and be free, I don't you know, know. I, I guess free they products? Are. I guess in her view, they're, as she said, billion-dollar companies, so they're supposed to say, because of all of our intrinsic sins and the his history of racism 
we owe it to the black community to open up a store and to allow people in the community to come in and shoplift to a point where we're unprofitable. And we will not stop this shoplifting, nor will we hire security guards or the police will not act. And that's our that's what she that's basically what she's saying. And they just say, no, we'll pass on that. We like you, but we'll just go somewhere else. And then she considers that racism. So notice two things she didn't say, Jack. She didn't say, I tell you what, why don't people in my district under my leadership and my husband, remember him? He was kind of in a scandal. He was the ex-con and he had a quote unquote security business, kind of like Fannie Willis's boyfriend that got in on the trough. And Ilian Omar, another squad member, remember she, her husband was a sure. consultant. Well, he was a security consultant. I guess he knew a lot because he'd been in prison 10 years. And then she sort of used him for her own security, and he profited by that connection. But the point was that she seems to know a lot about security matters. Why doesn't she get her husband? And why doesn't she get the leaders of the black community together, which she's not my reference to that. She brought up race by calling them racist. So I assume she thinks that the problem was that they left because there was an inordinate uh, percentage of black uh, shoplifters, or that was the predominant population in her district in which Walgreens decided to leave. But why doesn't she just get her husband and say, you know what, we're going to work on the black community. We're going to try to inculcate values among young people. We're going to have voluntary patrols. We'll, uh, every, we'll just divide up these jobs and we'll be in presence. Uh, we'll get the Black Panther, the new Black Panther Party. We'll get BLM. We'll get father figures. We'll get members of the community and we'll line the corridors of Walgreens to ensure there's not theft. She could do that, but she doesn't. And she, that's the paradigm she prefers, that they just lose money and then they'll, they'll be continually uh, not profitable and that would be worth it not to be called a racist. So she's basically saying to Walgreens, I won't call you a racist if you stay here. But another fine thing, that the second thing she didn't do, Jack, is why, why this was brought up by a lot of people. Why didn't she just all offer an alternate paradigm? She was talking about corporate greed. Why didn't she just say, let's have a co-op? There's co-ops. There's a Berkeley co-op. When I was in graduate school, there's a Palo Alto co-op. Maybe it's still there. Why don't we just get members of the community and they will each invest, I don't know, $1,000. We'll get three. There's 700,000 plus in a congressional district. We'll get, I don't know, seven or eight million dollars and we'll have our own co-op pharmacy and it will run on socialist principles. And therefore, theft and loss of inventory won't affect it because it's not a greedy corporation. And let's see how long that would last. Yeah. It would be a wonderful thing to do and to show Walgreens up. And when, you know, Victor, why doesn't she say we're part of the community? The community wouldn't steal from itself. We're not right. going to make a profit. We're going to return dividends to all the community. So come on out. And, I, you know, being a cynic and human nature being what it is, I don't think the theft rate would decrease at all. I I love this idea. And you and I, are, I'm, you know, intimately involved in the affairs of nonprofit world, and and you are, you are too. You sit on on a great uh, foundation board, and but we understand. Uh, well, you don't have to be involved in nonprofits to know that at a local level, 
all these big city, city councilmen and state reps, they all do the, this nonprofit hustle. They create them to get jobs to family members and whatever. Uh, it's rampant in New York, and I assume it's rampant across the nation. Wait, you're not so, talking but, about another squad member. Remember Corey Bush? I just thought of her and her, what was her husband's name or boyfriend, Courtney Merritt's? And all of a sudden, remember, she gave him all this money for, quote, security, the big advocate. She's under investigation, I think, by the FBI, the advocate of defunding the police. And now all of a sudden she married him. Uh, but it was Fannie Willis. It was Ilian Almar. Yeah. It was uh, everyone's Miss Presley. Everyone's it's always the same. Big buck side hustle. And here. by the way, yeah. people listening, it's not because they're black women. I'm not suggesting that at all. I'm suggesting they do it because there's no deterrence. And it's exactly what happened in the case of, I, I said, white people who in the age of Jim Crow knew there were no consequences. Once you establish a principle that a particular gender or race will not be subject to the same degree of accountability as other people, then human nature being what it is, they're going to take advantage of that. And on each one of these cases, Cori Bush, Ilhan Omar, Fannie Willis, Miss Presley, they always do the same thing. When they're caught, then they start screaming uh, about racism, 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 racism. And you know what? It's... It's the the old myth of crying wolf. Nobody listens anymore. I'm sorry. They just don't listen. They've heard it so yeah. much. And it's so common now that uh, with these district, these prosecuting attorneys, these district attorneys, the congresswomen, the staff, all these people on the public trough, and then the, when caught with questionable financial dealings that involve their relatives, their spouse, their paramour, whatever, then they go to the race card. And everybody just hung shrugs and says, well, there's a lot of rot in the United States, as uh, great economists have said about successful society. So we have the wherewithal, the money just to subsidize this. And I'd rather just pay it and get, let them, you know, extort some money than be called a racist. And that's pretty much where we are. Well, I, Victor, I still like your, maybe made in sarcasm, but your challenge uh, for these locals who are so adept at using nonprofits to create an actual one that would that would actually benefit their uh, community. So I think um, I, you know, I'm on the Bradley, and it's a nonprofit, but the board are half the board are conservative business people, and the other half tend to be center right uh, lawyers or academics, and they run it like a business. So in other words. Every two or three years, they stop and say, what was the foundational principle of the Bradley Foundation? What did the Bradley right. brothers have in mind when they were so generously giving their estates to fund this thing? Have we honored in spirit and in fact their uh, original foundational mission? And if we haven't, then we better, for the sake of our, our own honor and their legacy, readjust. And we go into periods of self-examination all the time. We talk. We have right. a wonderful staff, and they do the same thing. And that's very important. It is. Yeah. Well, if I if I may tip my hat to Bradley, because uh, Alicia Manning, who's uh, the number two there, I know is very um, interested and focused on. Um, you take the West Roxburys of of uh, of the world. 
who's actually helping? What small organization is actually helping these people in need? It's not the it's 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 not the Congress uh, Ayanna Presleys of the world who are helping them. There are people there. Bradley, the great conservative foundation, is the one that's actually hel- helping these folks. So uh, you know, it's uh, folks it's should know honor, more it's about. An that. Honor to be on yeah. the board. We not only Alicia but also Ingrid Gregg. They're, they're the oh two, yeah, all the Ingrid, two. Uh, yeah, I mean, yep. they're, I've never seen. Uh, people in public service like that, that honor, that are so professional. If that yeah. happened, I can guarantee you, Rick Graber, the director of the Bradley, if any hint of what we see with all of these people hiring, we wouldn't stand for. And we were open to the books. We have audits all the time. And I think that's true of a lot of conservative foundations. And so I, I don't have any empathy. And uh, when she's, she should be all these people. It's very funny. All these people on the left make all these accusations and they slur and slander people. And then it's almost like it's just a, a Pavlovian tick that, you know, it's projection. The more they feel that they're exposed by their own dubious behavior or they're compromised, they project that uh, that sin onto somebody else. And it's just typical. They do it all the time. And then they count on the media and the institutions and everything to protect them from public outrage. And it's so old. I've watched this. I'm 70 years old. I've watched this for 60 years. And it's getting worse by the year. Second time you mentioned 70, Victor. I think you... uh, Hey, that's not a rough day. (laughs) Hey, hey, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about two things. One, this... um, Madness in Minnesota and a, a, an arson attack on building with some conservative uh, operations in it. And then a piece you wrote uh, just yesterday on X slash Twitter about making sense of the current senseless absurdities of America. And we'll get to these topics right after this important message. <laughs> Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Victor, before uh, we raise the Minnesota story, I, I just want to take a moment to welcome back our sponsor, Factor. 
Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. Folks, what are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Head to factormeals.com slash victor50, V-I-C-T-O-R-5-0, and use code VICTOR50 to get 50% off your first box and two free wellness shots per box while your subscription is active. That's code VICTOR50 at factormeals.com slash VICTOR50. Do that to get 50% off your first box and two free wellness shots per box while your subscription is active. And we thank the good people at Factor for sponsoring the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Speaking of good people, Victor, the good people at Powerline, one of them is John Hendricker, and he um, reported the other day on on Powerline and on that it wasn't immediate that uh, where his offices are in um, the Minneapolis area and his offices are also he sublets or is involved you know across the hall or some other we'll call them conservative uh institutions it was a victim firebomb an arson and it took a freaking week for the minneapolis star tribune to report about it um so a knock at the media here but also uh you know the the, the we have to assume like this building, by the way, that John's offices are in, they have chiropractors, other doctors. This is a leftist progressive arson attack against conservatives, and we hear barely anything from the media. Victor, your thought? No, we don't hear very much. There's no better people than the writers at Powerline, John and Scott and Steve Hayward and Lloyd Billingsley. They're, they're wonderful writers. They're not radical at all. They John runs a very important public think tank, and I guess they just give them exemption. They, they, I think it's going to be even worse because there are videos. Obviously, it's in down, it's in the urban center, and they're going to find out the people who did it because they'll be on the video of their car, and we won't hear anything about it. It's, it's very analogous to the whole abortion thing. You know, the the uh, abortion protesters who were going to face lengthy prison sentences. And if you remember that testimony by Merrick Garland, and they asked him why it was so asymmetrical that, in other words, when people were firebombing pro-life uh, advocacy centers and they weren't doing anything to the perpetrators, but they were putting, trying to put people... Remember the guy and his family, they went had a SWAT team come to his house because he yes. had a son. He pushed somebody that was pushing his son. Right. Well, and remember what Merrick Garland said? He said, well, they do it at night. They do it at night. So it's kind of like it's hard to find them. I thought, so you would rather go after largely peaceful, daytime, transparent people with their identities not hidden than you would would take a little extra effort to go find nocturnal terrorists that pose a threat to the general welfare of the society? And that's where we are right now. It's, you know, it's, I, I feel like I've, you know, it's a cliche. I'm in a Kafka knock and I, w- I woke up as an insect and I don't realize 
what's how I look or what I'm looking at. It's just a different world, and it's some. It, the world changed somewhere around May 2020, right during the riots and the George Floyd, and then the aftermath. And where it's an unrecognizable America, and we saw that with the immigrants. You know that kicked the police. We talked about that. Kicked the police in the head, and then were only some of them arrested, and then were released immediately. And I suppose because they were not even charged bail, they they the charges were dropped, and then four four of them just headed right out to Gavin Newsom's California. They're probably here by now, Jack. Yeah. Where they get free because they're illegal. That means they're entitled and get free health care. They even get scholarships. You want to go to college, and no, there won't be anything, uh, no reactions to kicking a law enforcement officer in the head and trying to kill him. And that's where we are, you know, and they're not in right. I know life. you discussed this with Sammy on a recent podcast, but t- tonight, Victor, um, the Daily Mail reported that the new the Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg um, defended his decision to not uh, charge them. And then some kind of as an aside, some judge in New York State chewed him out, not over this, but. But essentially, like you're letting all these people go, and and Bragg was trying to cherry, cherry picked and tried to hard hard prosecute um, people, few people who bought, um, you know, fake fake uh, uh, COVID shot uh, cards. You know, I got my I got my shot, and he, and so he lets murderers and mayhem. He's, an, and, he's an absolute disgrace. He is going after the ex president of the United States. For supposedly overvaluing a real estate asset, i.e., Mar-a-Lago, to obtain a loan from a bank who willingly looked at the same portfolio that Alvin Bragg had seen, saw no, either didn't see it as overvalued or saw no problem given Trump's apparent other assets, and then gave him the loan and profited handsomely by the charging of the interest and then had the principal paid back and then had no complaint and was happy with the business. And for the first time in American, uh, excuse me, New York real real estate history, they're charging with a felony and trying to, to kick him out of New York along with Latita James uh, for no, there's no crime, there's no victim. And yet the same prosecutor has no problem with illegal aliens kicking the head and the face of law enforcement officers with impunity, and he lets them go, and then they get on a bus and come to the only state that's worse than New York, and they knew that in advance. They After they did that, and they thought, well, we, just, we got out of this, so we'll stick around, but, you know, we kind of overdid it a little bit by flipping the bird, and people, you know, in New York, they don't really get mad if you kick a law enforcement officer in the head and try to kill him. But if you flip a journalist right in the with a bird and you say things like kiss my ass or something, they can get angry at you and they'll they'll uh, give you some bad publicity. So where should we go, Jack? Well, where's the other state where there's the biggest sanctuary jurisdictions in the country and they're even more crazy and liberal than New York? Why, it's Gavin Newsom state. Let's take off. And that's what happened. It's again, it's yeah. surreal. It's a Kafka novel. And, yeah. I, I, you know. I was talking to Sammy a little bit on the other. Half of me is outraged, but half of me is outraged at the voters who vote these people in. 
Here in California, we had Prop 47. And we all voted by, I voted against it, but we being the people of California voted it in and it reduced felony theft to a misdemeanor if it was under $950. And I remember opponents in the Chamber of Commerce said during the Prop campaign, which was a dissimulation campaign, they said, you know, criminals are going to get their iPhone and actually do the calculus as they steal. And everybody said, that is so absurd. And that's exactly what happened. They do that. And so they've just turned the state into a nation, a state of thieves. And now people are outraged. Oh, this is horrible. Who voted for this? Or Gavin Newsom goes into, again, we've talked about that, but he goes in to, I guess it was a Walgreens. He said, they're walking out with $350. And they say, well, yeah. You, the clerk, not knowing who he was, and he got angry because he thinks everybody knows who Gavin Newsom is, says, well, you, the governor did it. No, I didn't do it. Well, you did. You pushed 47, and you were asked recently, why don't you repeal it? And you wouldn't do it. You said, no, that's not the problem. And then there's this 553 bill in the Senate that says that a employee of a store, unless he's properly trained, can't make a citizen's arrest or protect the property of his employer. And then when you point that out, and Gavin Newsom's behind that. They say, oh, it's not, you're lying, Snopes. You know, we're fact checkers. We're letting people respond to shoplifters if they're trained and if they go through proper counseling training. Who can afford that to do? So it's just a nightmare. And the voters are ultimately responsible for this. My only confusion about it, to what degree, when you see these scenes of abject insanity at the border with 8 million people, or what we saw with the police being kicked in New York, or what we see with Ms. Presley or, the, or Ms. Fannie Willis, or all these, you know, smash and grab, I, I think there was more um, carjackings in Washington, D.C. in one month now than there was an entire year just eight years ago. But when that you guy died, this, by the way. Victor. He did? That lawyer died? Yeah, he died tonight, yeah. Oh, that's sad. Carjacked yeah. and shot. Nobody cares either, do yeah. they? They don't care that a really f wonderful family guy, all he was doing was trying to park the car so his wife could easily get in and wouldn't be, have to walk in that crime-ridden, infested city. And he's shot and killed by a thug. And the thug will get out. He won't. They won't do anything to him. And... But my point of all this is when you look at all this madness, then you say, okay, these people voted for all this and they were not really deceived because they knew the character of the people they were voting for. But at some point, do they just say, I'm had it. I can't, the civilization is at the abyss. We're going to vote these people out and we're going to bring in, I don't care if they're crazy Republicans or not. I don't care if it's yeah. nutty Trump or not. Anything as an anecdote. And I don't know, I'm not confident. I, you know, you look at the the Virginia elections, which are sort of you know canaries in the coal mine, and before that the in the the twenty twenty two midterms, and those are not great harbingers for. Well, I I went on people. Tucker Carlson and said it looks pretty good. What an idiot I was because, like, I Tucker said, what do you think? And I said, I think it's going to be a good night. I think it's going to be good because they, they've screwed the country up. I said, I said, I didn't sound so incoherent, something to that effect. And then I had no idea that on the eve of the election, he was going to cancel student debt 
and then drain the strategic petroleum reserve and then demagogue abortion when it was up to the states and there was no national federal law either, you know, making it legal in every state or illegal in every state. It was up to the people to, to you know, ascertain their own futures on abortion. And I didn't think even when he did that, that by any stretch of the imagination, people would be so stupid to fall for that. But they did. They did. Students said, oh, my God, I'm going to get free stuff. I don't have to pay back what I owe the government. I'm going to vote for Joe Biden. And people said, oh, my God, gas was five fifty a gallon, and now it's five I'm going to vote for Joe Biden. And, oh, my God, I might get pregnant, and I'll, and I'll be killed by Republicans. I'm going to vote for Joe Biden. And they voted for his party in the midterm. Well, Victor, we... Um... Maybe we should talk about one more important matter. Uh, we've got a little time left, and uh, th that's this um, this uh, Senate immigration bill. That while while this particular podcast will be up on, I I think the sixth of February, the the dynamics of the legislation and it's how it's playing out on the floors of the Senate, the floor of the Senate. Uh, you know, there's there's something there's something coming up ahead of when we're talking right now. But I'd like to get your thoughts on some of the political dynamics of this, and we'll do that right after this final important message. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have, or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more, but you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give. But what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are, too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Back with the Victor Davis Hanson show, Victor. Quite simply, uh, you know, Mike Lee, the senator from Utah, uh, wrote a piece for the Federalist. McConnell wants me to pass his one hundred six billion dollar bill without reading it. Hell, no. And and so we have this McConnell Schumer. Yeah, bill. That's, a good, that's exactly what it was. You're right, Chuck yeah. Schumer and McConnell. Yeah. They wouldn't let anybody see it. And then they just sprung it on everybody, and they, they passed it off as if it was sober and judicious border reform. And 
I, I don't understand what the problem was. They don't have to pass any legislation. They don't have to vote any new funds. They have a border. They have a fully funded border patrol. They have a fully funded Homeland Security. They have a good paradigm they inherited when there was almost no illegal immigration by 2020, June, July. The problem had been solved. All they have to do at minimal expense is continue the, the wall that was stopped by Joe Biden, A, end catch and release, no extra money, make people apply for ref phony refugee status in Mexico, and four, tell Mr. Obrador, listen, you stop people coming into our country. We're not going to be a safety valve for the failure of your government to provide social services to your own people. And if you don't stop it, Donald Trump said he'd get us out of NAFTA. But here's what I'm going to do, Joe Biden. I'm going to tax at 20%. And every day you don't do something, it's going to go up by 1%. I'm going to tax 20% the $60 billion in remittances that you depend on as the largest for source of foreign exchange. And by the way, five, you're going to have to clap, clamp down on the cartels. Um, because they're killing 100,000 people. And we can't do that. It wouldn't cost any money. So what is McConnell and, and Schumer doing? It's What they're doing is they're giving a little pretense that they're going to fund border security while they Schumer gets in, what, more judges, more little courts, more counselors, more facilitators. So when you get 8 million people streaming across, you can say it's orderly. We're going to tell everybody, come in. A, here's the border. It's wide open. Get in single final, queue up, queue up, and then you're going to be processed fast. Biometrics. We're going to facilitate your entry into America without a background check. That's what they're talking about. And I guess McConnell goes around, along with it because the Wall Street Journal, Chamber of Commerce, big big corporations think, wow. We've got 3.5% unemployment under Trump. We have it again under Biden. There's a shortage of workers. We have a very anemic labor non-participation rate. The only 62% of the only is the number of people working. We've got people who just won't work. It's more lucrative to stay. So we're short workers. So we need to import these workers in meatpacking and hospitality and restaurants, ag, you name it. That's what's behind it. Schumer says to McConnell, I need more votes. I need more constituents. I need more patrons for big government, high tax federal policies. And Mitch says, OK, I need cheap labor. And between this, can't we make a deal? And they did. But we have to keep it quiet. And we got to spring it on the dummies before they get angry. And that's what's happening. Well, the dummies, the dummies are already angry, right, Victor? They are. They are. And, but, they, but now it makes it look like. Oh, well, uh, uh, Biden, they're mad at Biden. Uh, Biden says it's not his fault. They propose this legislation, which makes it look like, well, you need legislation to fix the border. Biden says, I can't do anything until I get the legislation. Why is Mitch McConnell? I don't well, know. I but, you know, I don't so want to just rant. Politically. I, I read the bill. It said they're going to give 50,000 green cards. They're going to give lawyers uh Immediately, they're going to have 5,000 people a day rather than, what, 12 or 15? And uh, so what is so good about 5,000 people illegally entering the country? Why not just say none? 
No, no, there's a law. It's illegal, Mitch. You're a senator. It is illegal for you to enter the United States illegally, especially without going through a port of entry and a judicial legal process. If you don't do that, you're illegal and you can be deported. Why don't you just say for once, we're going to deport everybody. It's not going to be that much more expensive. It's going to save billions of dollars in social right. services. And we're going to do it right now. You know, he's I you know, I wasn't a big McConnell critic. And I and because I thought he had mastered the intricacies of Senate uh you know, maneuvering, and he had been very instrumental in getting confirmed these justices, and he did. But those days are over with, and his hatred of Donald Trump outweighs his love for the conservative constituency. And so he is, he's doing a lot of damage with this. Nothing, it's going to take decades to get over this. We're going to live with the ripples of this for decades. Uh, all I do, Jack, is pick up, as I said to Sammy, Fresno B, KMPH, the local TV websites, uh, are there blogs about Valley News? And it's every single day someone has hit somebody with DUI and left. Somebody is found in an orchard, in a vineyard. Some party has erupted in gang fighting. Some person has been caught with $5 million of fentanyl. It's cartels have done a hit in a rural farmhouse. It's every day. And no, and it's not where Mitch McConnell's uh, multi-million-dollar mansion is. It really isn't. Nor Chuck Schumer's, nor Joe Biden's three houses. It affects poor people and middle-class people, and they don't give a damn. They really don't. Well, Victor, um, we're at the end of this um, episode. Other than to thank our listeners for doing just that, listening, and the folks who do that on Apple and iTunes can. Rate the show, zero to five stars. Most leave five. Practically everybody leaves five stars in appreciation for the wisdom you share, Victor. We thank them for taking the time to do that. And some actually take even more time and write uh, particular comments. And here's one. It's uh, titled, Longtime Reader, New Podcast Listener and Subscriber. And here's Here it goes. Clear and concise analysis with with strong overtones of historical perspectives, as good as any poignant lecture. Every word needs to be savored. The mainstream media is failing, going out of business. I find most of my friends only read the headlines. In addition, they do not pay for subscriptions. The paying customers are long gone. Their false narratives are just too toxic. I've even gained an appreciation of Christopher Hitchens. You mentioned him during a review of Henry Kissinger. The world could surely use both men today. Thank you, VDH. And it's signed by M. Guzik, M-G-U-Z-I-K. Thank you, Guzik. Yeah. I appreciate that. I really do. That's yeah. I just end by a comment, Jack. Sure. I'm interrupting you, but. No, it's your show. Uh, <laughs> uh, have you noticed that at a time of near record on it, low unemployment that the L.A. Times, the messenger just and I like Jimmy Finkelstein, the guy that just had to close down the messenger of which I wasn't very familiar with, but he seemed like a nice right. guy. But all of these venues are laying off journalists. And right. I think I, I think it's because people are, are walking, walking in the sense, not opening their Web pages or not buying their subscriptions or whatever it is. But people are so tired of just turning on NPR, PBS, 
picking up all of these and just hearing the same old stuff. You know, they say to themselves, do these people ever apologize for Christopher Steele and those lies? Do they ever apologize for telling us that Hunter's laptop was a cooked up in Moscow? Do they ever talk about they were wrong about that crazy ping and the Alpha Bank and Trump Towers? Do they ever apologize to any of this or do they just go on and on to the next yeah. lie? And people are sick of it. And they're not, they're not, they're going the way of the Oscars, the Emmys, the Tonys, and the Grammys. You've seen it before. You've heard it before. It's boring. It's predictable. It's scripted. And it's not just half the country. It's starting to be, you know, a, a large number of people who didn't vote for Donald Trump are sick. Sick. Right. Of it. And I think, I think they're they sick of it because it's starting to affect them too. Yeah. What with the newspapers? Uh, what well, used to be newspapers because there are very few anymore. Um, okay, it was the liberal media, but it has become the leftist media. And why do people buy newspapers? Why did they mostly? Sports and local news. And even the local news has become so ideological. Uh, you know, how they report the stories, the kind of stories they report. It just doesn't seem... It's normal to normal people, offensive to most people. And who needs this crap? I don't need you to you ideologize at me. Screw you. I'm not going to subscribe anymore. I'll spend my time off, you know, on, on Instagram or TikTok. <laughs> the, it it other... is. And you know what? It's, it's weird. The media is always going to be liberal because it's kind of like academia. It's divorced from reality. And these people are not subject <laughs> yeah. to market realities. So it's always, and they come out of universities, journalism schools. So they're always going to be tainted. But at least they should go back and they should look at 60, 70 years ago. And they should look at John Chancellor, Edward R. Murrow, uh, even Cronkite. I used to listen to, remember ever Eric Severide? Yeah. He, he would give those commentaries. He was kind of an old style liberal leftist, but they were very well, well reasoned. They were, they were coherent. He made an effort to look at both sides of the issue. So my point is that the old-fashioned liberal who dominated the media, and they did, they, are, they were so much superior morally, intellectually, and educationally than this bunch. It, it's just shocking. It really is. When you go yeah. back and look at Meet the Press, a John Chancellor, or those type of people, Charles Corral and all those people, they were just miles, miles just yeah. <laughs> fathoms ahead of what these, this group, group is. It just shows And you those were all liberals that you mentioned. They were but all they, liberals. Right. Maybe yeah. there was one or two. Howard K. Smith, maybe. Howard K. Smith was. Frank Reynolds was kind of fair, but there wasn't yeah. very many of them. I mean, there were conservative columnists. But even when you look at the columns, the way that people wrote the prose style or the argument or the analysis was so much better than this crap today. And I'm not talking about blogs and saying, oh, we don't have we don't have a hierarchy that screens. No, the actual grassroots people are much better writers than the people that uh, quote, quote unquote qualify for these these liberal left wing outlets. And they've yeah. destroyed their they cook their their own goose. Yeah, well, they're whining uh, loud, loud. They're looking no. for a billionaire. Where's my billionaire? Remember the Weekly Standard when the guy said, no more, not going to do it. I, I don't need to hear every day that Trump is Satan, that Trump is Lucifer, that Trump's a devil. 
that yeah. was in 2015, I think. He said, I'm done. I don't want to pay for it. And they oh, pay for this brilliance. You owe us. You need to subsidize us. Bill Crystal. That was the idea. They, uh, I think I think he was. Uh, I think he was making seven figures a year. At, at the weekly people, standard, they were yeah. all they were all making. Yeah. All of them were making a lot of money, and that was. If you yeah. want to, if you want to be honest about it, and you dissect all of the never Trumpers, it was a fixation. It was a addiction with them. It was a fix. They, it, it's incomprehensible, but they hated Donald Trump. They hated him to such a degree they were willing to renounce all the positions that they had spent their life advocating. And, and claiming to the American people that these were the only solutions and cures for the maladies of America. And yet right. when this one orange man did more than anybody else to enact the very positions and ideologies and policies and protocols that they had spent and told everybody, they were angry. They said, yeah. I would rather America fail. I would rather the Republicans fail. I would rather the conservatives fail than that person. And they didn't understand that in that way of thinking, it wasn't that people didn't like them. It wasn't that Donald Trump had the power. He maybe had the desire to ruin their career. He didn't even know who they were. He did not know who they were most of the time. Right. They, they blew up their own careers. They destroyed How dare, them. How dare you not listen to me, Bill Crystal? Yes. They, people said, you know what? I got better things to do than to read the 1500th column about how awful Donald Trump looks, acts, speaks, how crude he is. And they never once said to themselves two things compared to what? Right. Hillary, Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, or two, they never said, and do we have to be good or can we just be 51% better than the alternative? And it, or is it more likely that my lifetime vision of a conservative America is more likely to be furthered by this person I don't like or by presentable Joe Biden? And they gave us Joe Biden, who personally was a reprobate. And you can name for every sin that is alleged of Trump, I can give you the exact same sin. For every Stormy Daniels, or Gene Carroll, there's a Tara Reid, or there's some little girl that was, what, uh, take a shower with her dad too early, or a Secret Gosh. Service agent that had to look at the genitalia of the vice president, or somebody who had her ear gobbled or neck gobbled, turkey gobbled by the president. So don't give me any lectures about morality. They did a lot of damage, and they, they were damaged. And I liked a lot of them. They're friends. I don't try to go after them. But my point is... They blew up their own careers by their obsessions and their addictions. Well, and, also, Victor, there's uh, you know, many of them are also focused on, and not we shouldn't be focused on Ukraine and Russia, but we wouldn't have a war in Ukraine if it wasn't for Joe Biden being president. There no, are hundreds, I, of, I mean, hundreds yeah. of thousands of people dead in the world because people worked against Donald Trump's reelection. I mean, Just to finish, Jack, you, yeah. you read that, John, I mentioned it to Sammy, you read the John Bolton Wall Street Journal column the other day. It was the most sophisticated thing I've ever read. It was, Donald Trump is going to destroy America if he's elected, and here's all the reasons why. Oh, by the way, you could argue that, elephant in the room, right? that 
what Putin went in in 2008 when the Bush White House was buffeted by Iraq and Afghanistan and polling about 30% in the latter part of 2008. He, he went in in 2014 when Obama had appeased him and the hot mic and all that stuff in Seoul, South Korea. And he went in when? 2020, 2022? When what? When Joe Biden had said, hey, Vladimir, if you're going to hack American institutions, please lay off the hospitals. Or when he said, man, I don't know how I'll, I'll we act. It depends on whether it's a major or minor invasion. Or, you know what, we'll give Zelensky a ride out of uh, Kiev. So, and that was right after Afghanistan. So, in that column, he, he couldn't quite explain the central truth that there was a four-year hiatus. And by that, I mean of the last four administrations, and Bolton knows that better than anybody, I'm talking about George Bush, Barack Obama, Donald Trump, and Joe Biden. Why was it that just one, just one administration did not see Vladimir Putin cross the borders of a sovereign neighbor? Not one. Not once. And they can't answer that question because they hate him so much. Yeah. So that whole column was just mystifying. And when I read yeah, it, I thought, this, this is, and then I thought to myself, you were hated by the left. They demonized you. They hated Gosh, the yeah. very sight of you. They made, they spread scurrilous rumors about your sex life, your marriage. They did every dastardly thing they said about you. You could not, you were made a, an interim appointment by George W. Bush. You were totally inert. No other rhino administration would have ever got near you. Not Mitt Romney had if he'd been elected, not John McCain had been elected. You were inert. And along came John Along came Donald Trump. And I think there was a, a, I know him, I respect him, I like him a lot, H.R. McMaster. He was very different than the other generals. He, if he disagreed with Donald Trump as national security advisor on a policy matter, he did not try to subvert it as some other general. He did not do that. He tried to use his expertise to enact it, even when he disagreed with it. And they fired him and they, and brought, John Bolton was resuscitated. No Senate confirmation necessary for national security advisor. He would have never been confirmed. And he was there. And you would think that of all the things he saw, if it was so bad, he should have resigned. But he never did, Jack. He never resigned. He was fired. And only when he was fired did he go back and take his preemptive notes and compile in a book that synchronized with the impeachment of Donald Trump. And after all of that, there's no self-awareness of just, you know, I don't like this guy. I hate this guy. But he gave right. me the most important job of my life. And I would have never had that opportunity from, from anybody else. And he can't think of that. And, he, and it warps his view about why Putin invaded in one period and why he did not in another period. And no. he's the expert, the world's expert in American foreign policy, supposedly on deterrence. And... It just mystifies me. And I'm not excusing Donald Trump's language, his tweets, the mess he got in with Stormy Daniels, all of that. I'm not. I'm just saying that at this late date in the country, you've got to look at, is Donald Trump that abnormal when he was in office compared to what we've seen with other presidents? I mean, I, I there was tell no, that. Old... There was no passion for never Biden 
in the fall of 2020 from these people. And that's why we got what we got. So. Well, I, I, you know, I did this twice, Jack. I have close family members and friends. And they said to me, essentially, anytime they said, Victor, aren't you going to wake up and see this monster that you are going to vote for? And you know what I said on two occasions? I said, I am what? sorry. I came to my senses. I agree with you. I'm not going to vote for Donald Trump. They said, oh, good. See? But why? Why? And I said, because he, his daughter set up sexual liaisons in the White House. They did? I didn't hear that. I said, yes. And then he, he had an aide, and they went down into this, the White House swimming pool. And he asked this young 18-year-old intern that he had deflowered as a virgin in the marital bed, in Melania's bed. And he had, he had his girl, this poor little intern, fillet, tried to fillet an aide of his. And then, you know, what was worse, in the bathroom right off the Oval Office, he... He had oral sex with a with a subordinate woman, a young woman, with an asymmetrical power relationship. And then the worst thing is, he pulled out his phallus and he held it and said, "Does a foreign leader have anything this big?" And you should have saw the reaction. Come to Jesus, Victor. And I just said, you know what? I just described Anna Roosevelt helping That's Lucy right. Mercer see Franklin Roosevelt. I just described LBJ holding his penis. I just described JFK deflowering a young intern and bringing her down. And the pool doesn't exist now, but the people right. in the conversation didn't catch on. And I just talked about Bill Clinton. I don't want to be lectured <laughs> about presidential behavior in the right. Oval Office. And yeah, that, that was a great composite. <laughs> well, I talked too long, but... Uh, yeah. We're in we're in the la, we're in the eleventh hour. We're near the abyss. I know we always say that before an election an election year, but this time the country's gone completely insane, and we've got yeah. to rescue it. Their attitude is, we've got to destroy your America so we can reboot it for us under different auspices, and that's the plan. And we got to say no, 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 no. Can't reboot ashes. That's what's going to come. Well, Victor, we yeah we're 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 over, and you've been terrific. And folks, thanks for listening. And we will be back soon with another episode of the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Bye bye. Thank you, everyone. Hey there, it's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast. Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, experts, politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey.